Hi there, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com. This is the fourth of four podcasts where we've been considering some of the big picture elements of our faith, such as where do we come from, what is God like, why should we worship God, This week, for our final episode in this theme, we're going to consider why a God who does not need us desires to have a special relationship with us anyway. Another way to express it might be, why does an infinite God seek to be my heavenly Father instead of just an all-powerful being who looks down on his creation with scorn? Again, this could be a huge undertaking, and I I hope that it will be uh, the first of many discussions that you and your family have about it. For now... Let's consider the reflection verse for this episode. It's Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. It's a little bit longer than our normal reflection verses, so pay special attention, please. Let's listen to it together. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to connect that verse and topic to a song. Let's listen to a single verse and consider the song's message together. How deep the Father's love for us beyond all Great song. You know, songs are able to express things that simply speaking the words sometimes can't. For example, that opening line, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, man, it just really gets to me every time we sing it. It stops my heart almost, making me think, wow, how could this infinitely powerful God seek to have a loving relationship with me, a finite creature? Well, Joining me one more time to talk about the good news concerning a special relationship is Aubrey. Hey, Aubrey. Thanks for coming back to the podcast. Hi, John. I'm glad to be here. You know, this podcast really is a blessing to a lot of people and a lot of families, and so I'm thankful to be a part of the effort. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, What did you think about the song we just heard? Well, like you said, there's something so special in the words to that song. It, It sums up the gospel message. God loves us so much that he would send Jesus to die for our sins, and we don't even deserve it. Well, all this month we've been looking at the big picture, and it really it has been leading up to this study. Uh, we've talked about a theistic worldview, 
which means the way that people who believe in God make sense of life. And we discussed God's nature and character as seen in the Bible. And then we considered why we worship Him. We saw that unlike other beings, things, and ideas, God doesn't need anything from us, and yet God alone is worthy of worship. And so the natural next question is, if God doesn't need anything from us, why does He seek us? That's right. You know, I'm often struck by the concept of an infinite God who would seek a relationship with finite man. It's just so humbling. Yeah, me too. But sometimes I wonder, if God created us and seeks us to worship Him, then why don't more people listen to His Word and live a life of faith? I mean, why did God let us choose to disobey Him instead of creating auto-worshippers who are pre-programmed to worship God? That's a good question. Uh, You know, to answer it, I feel like we're going to have to go way, way back to when God created the first man in Genesis 1 and 2. By looking at that event in history, we're going to see the reason behind God's desire for our relationship. Okay. Well, John, why don't you tell us exactly what is revealed in Genesis 1 and 2? So, when God made man, that's Adam, uh, the man was placed within a garden where there were two special trees given as a blessing or a gift from God, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can read about that in Genesis 2, verse 8 through 15. And these trees were gifts from God. They were more than just decorations in the garden. Okay, I see where you're going with this now. So the tree of life indicated God's gift of life. There was a willingness to share eternal life with his creation. That's correct. And God gave Adam another gift, the gift of choice. This was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, God did not want his creation to serve him only out of a sense of duty, but out of devotion, that is, through a personal will or choice. So God's gift of choice worked like this. With this tree came a command. He said, do not eat from it. And so in this way, God offered Adam the choice to obey God and deny himself. The other choice of course, was to serve self and deny God by eating from this special tree. In essence, Adam could choose to submit to God's definition of good, or he could defy God's command and choose what he thought was good. And so this is how God offered Adam and how he offers all of us a relationship of love and harmony through free will. And I invite you to consider Romans chapter 6, verse 17 through 18, about how they obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine. Now, John, it seems like if choice were taken away, then that would deny God and man the opportunity to enjoy each other's fellowship and love completely. I agree. And to allow the choice and for man to choose to obey God, it means that we can partake in the relationship that God desired a relationship that's based on the dignity of choice and motivated by faith, hope, and love. So when we question why God would seek to love us as a heavenly father instead of remaining a distant cosmic deity, you're saying that the choice to obey or disobey is a key ingredient to our relationship with God, right? That's correct. That's, that's what Genesis 2 is all about. In fact, the rest of the Bible is just full of examples and encouragement to be faithful to God. Our choice to obey Him is pleasing to Him. And I think about it like this. I'm a dad. 
I have three beautiful children, and currently they're ages seven, five, and four years old. Now, occasionally one of them will draw me a picture, and I absolutely adore it. Um, not because they're the world's greatest artists, but because they chose to make it and present it to me. It's a reflection of their devotion and their love to Dad because they chose to do it on their own. That really is a great example. So God does not need anything, and yet he's pleased with our faithful obedience, much like a, a father with his children here on earth. And so it seems like the gift of choice is a pretty important concept to the Christian faith. I agree. But Aubrey, sometimes people are uncomfortable with the idea that we have a choice in this relationship. They look at certain scriptures that talk about how God predestined us to have a relationship of salvation. You know, I've heard some use uh, Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, and that verse says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the will of his purpose. Aubrey, how do we reconcile verses like this that say that he predestined us and that he chose us before the foundation of the world? How do we reconcile that with Genesis 2 and the Bible's teaching on free will? Well, that's a good question. Uh, to predestine or preordain just means to set in place before it happens. In other words, to do something ahead of time. And it's important to remember that God predestines in two ways. First, he predestines for service, and secondly, he predestines for salvation. Okay, so predestining for service, predestining for salvation. Let's, let's break it down. Uh, how does God predestine us for service? Well, this is the way God uses individuals. Romans 9 is probably the single greatest chapter to explain this. God has called both individuals and nations to serve his great plan, but just because he calls some to serve him does not mean he has predestined them to salvation. Okay, so, for example, God predestined Jacob for a special service that he didn't call Esau for. Exactly, and you're referring to Genesis 25. There we find twin boys, yet one was chosen for a special service. Now, both had the choice to serve God and to be saved, but only one of them had the service of being God's agent for a specific purpose later on. Okay, I think I get it. God called individuals to service and not to salvation, but salvation's been predestined, right? Yes. The Bible says God's method of salvation has been preordained or predestined. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. It says that Jesus indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So you're saying that even though God knew we would fall from grace, he had preordained or predestined a way back from sin and into that saving relationship again? Yes. The Bible teaches that we serve a God who is sovereign, which means he has the authority, power, and right to set things in place before they happen. Now, he gives us the choice to obey him, and has preordained the plan for us to enter into that special relationship through the sacrifice of Jesus. Okay, that makes sense. And I think I'll also throw out some more Bible verses, like Acts 2, verse 23, and Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, because that helps me make sense of that balance of God's sovereignty and my responsibility. 
And so I also want to repeat for clarity's sake that God preordained the way that salvation is possible and gives me the dignity to choose whether to enjoy that special relationship or not. Those are some pretty high concepts, aren't they? Yes, sir, they are. And it's my hope that those who are listening will continue to have a healthy conversation about God's gift of choice and his sovereign plan to redeem us from sin. Aubrey, before we wrap up, I want to ask you just one more time. Why does an infinite God seek to be my heavenly Father instead of just being this cosmic, all-powerful deity that looks down over his creation from far away? Well, remember, God does not need anything from us, but he seeks to enjoy a special relationship with us based on the dignity of choice and motivated by faith, hope, and love. And so he preordained the way for this relationship to happen through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's reassuring, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. And it reminds me of just how much I should be grateful to an almighty God. Well, this is the end of our mini-series on God, His nature and ways, and some very important questions that can be asked when we think about Him. I hope that everyone has had as much fun as I have considering these foundational elements of our faith. Aubrey, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and talking about these topics with me. Lord willing, we'll get together again in the months ahead, right? I'd love to join you again, John. Thank you, sir. Well, before you guys go, do you remember the song that we listened to at the intro of the podcast? It was called, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Let's listen to a verse together and spend some time appreciating its value on our discussion about the nature of God. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all lot of reflection that we can do when we listen to that song. You can find the whole version along with every song of the week on the podcast page at pureandsimplebible.com. While you're there, check out the other podcasts and study resources that are yours to use absolutely free. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the podcast across social media as well. Do you remember our reflection verse? It's Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. Let's hear it together. Now, Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Joshua was telling the Israelites as they prepared for some tough times ahead. And he was urging them to consider their options and to remember that the special relationship that they enjoyed with God required a life choice, that is, a commitment to either serve Him in sincerity and truth 
or to go off and do their own thing. What about you? When you consider the evidence of God that creation points to a creator and that eternity has been set within our hearts and that a God is so worthy of our worship, have you thought about the special relationship he seeks as a heavenly father with you? What choice will you make? Who will you serve, yourself or God? I see some great conversation potential here for you and your family and friends. And if you want, you can also write to me at pureandsimplebible at gmail.com. That's all one word. I'd love to hear from you. This is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you next time. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.